0: Sox fans, here are the
1: Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone. The Bastards are back for what will be the last early week edition of the regular season. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the New York Yankees, dropping all three games. They are currently back in third place in the American League East, nine games behind the division-leading Tampa Bay Rays. They are in possession of the second wild card spot, just one game under the Yankees. However, the Toronto Blue Jays, just one game under the Red Sox. It is getting tight. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We'll call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter At Cushman MLB, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. (laughs) Uh, Did everyone have
0: fun at Fenway this weekend? Was that a fun weekend? Oh my God! You know, I made a bunch of new friends on on Twitter on Friday nights, and you know, just got blood into into oblivion by all the Bloom people who told me, "Oh, I don't know why you're panicking, dude. It's only one game." You know, after Friday, oh, it's only one game. What, what are you what are you panicking about? What are you getting so mad about? How you guys feel now? You guys, yeah, yeah we still we still feeling confident. All the all the Bloominati out there, we're still worshiping at the altar. Yeah, just yeah, no, we're we're still good. Holy crap, what what a what a horrible, horrible weekend for this team where they just got it absolutely pushed in. And if you're still sitting there all confident heading into this final week, you're a better person than I am because it's looking pretty bad from my end.
1: Well, our other co-host and I were at, well, actually, Charlie was with me for game one. I was with somebody else for game two, so I witnessed a couple of the horror shows in person. Charlie Smith joining us tonight from Providence, Rhode Island, uh, had the the uh, unfortunate uh, first game. <laughs> but, Charlie, how are yeah. you?
2: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. I, uh, did my good deed of the year. I saved a couple lives on Friday night, which was fantastic. (laughs) Um, we, I, I became immediately beloved by about 18 Yankees fans around me because I had to deal with tomfoolery and just dummies, uh, in the, in the crowd. But, uh, it was tough. I mean, the, the only beauty of that game was that there were two idiots that had to walk right in front of me when Giancarlo Stanton lost his first of three home runs in that series It it wasn't fun. I mean, I was. I think the most interesting thing of that whole series was these idiots that started chirping one pitch into the game. Like, I don't know how you have the kind of energy. I'm too old for that, you know. But it was brutal, brutal, brutal series.
1: Yeah, those were three high school kids who somehow managed to get completely wasted before the game. And they were Red Sox fans. And the most obnoxious one was sitting in the middle of the three. And he was just... This was late in the game by this point, probably seventh or eighth inning. But just antagonizing a Yankees fan sitting in front of us, who was really minding his own business, wasn't being obnoxious despite the fact he was a Yankees man. And Charlie's sitting that sitting next to me. He's like, "Oh my god, that that kid's gonna get. He's just gonna get drilled. Oh my god, it's it's gonna happen." And I'm sitting over here like, "Well, I hope it happens. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to see an absolute bloodbath." And uh, the the Yankees fan just kind of took the high road, didn't touch him and then finally the the two less obnoxious friends got him out of there and everybody immediately sitting around us were like dude why didn't you duck him you should have decked him <laughs> and it yeah it was just...
2: amazing i remember like literally when they walked away i just said and, and just like that a moment of stupidity has just united red sox and yankees fans because one fan was a complete moron and i was jokingly telling him like that as they were walking away i'm waving at him like you guys have school on monday you guys need to get some sleep you probably have homework to do like it's time for bed you guys like it's time for night night just stupid
1: one of them did have a a karabas shirt on as well uh so it just he he played the part for sure but flawlessly getting it out of the way Attention, listeners across
2: the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean Trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you.
1: And uh, before we get going, where can they find you guys on Twitter?
0: Uh, uh, you can, sorry, you can find me at Color of the Iris. Uh, that's color spelled O U R. So uh, you can find me there.
2: And uh, for those that were interested, it's uh, Smith underscore MLB. A little bit quieter uh, on my side of things. Uh, Jason definitely won this this week for for most. Uh, reacted to and responded to tweet and it wasn't even close so well done sir thank you
0: yeah no it was a blast yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) so as i was saying in the intro series was a sweep friday night red Sox dropped that one eight to three nathan avaldi got the start saturday Lost that one 5-3 to three, despite the best efforts of Nick Pavetta. And then today in the series finale, Red Sox dropped that one 6-3 to three, despite the best efforts of Eduardo Rodriguez. So, not the, the playoff primer, the, the prove that they are a playoff team type series. It was a choke job. And because of that, we will start on the duds side of the spectrum. Jason, who's your dud for the series?
0: My dud is Xander Bogarts. Um, dude, where the hell were you this weekend? Holy crap. One for 12, and he left eight guys on base. So, And this has kind of been an issue that I've had with the Red Sox this whole season, is that there is no leader in that clubhouse, in my opinion. It's probably Alex Cora, but on the player side, there's not a leader. You can't say it's really Chris Sale because he hasn't been there all year. He only just showed up the last month. And a lot of people want it to be Xander Bogarts, and this is exactly why it can't be because he just takes too many series off. It's like there's just that random weekend or that random three-game stretch where he just disappears. And look, sometimes it happens against the Baltimore Orioles, and you go, okay, whatever. Xander went one for 12, but... Who cares? It's Baltimore. We still smash them. No one really bats an eye at it. When it happens at home against the Yankees, final week of the season, you're in the middle of a wild-card race. You know, huge, huge red flag. So um, not, a, not a good weekend from him. I thought Matt Vaskirjan actually painted it perfectly tonight in his last at-bat when he popped out on the first pitch. And Vaskirjan just very casually said, well, oh, that was a surprisingly unproductive out from xander bogart's I thought yeah that kind of paints that kind of describes his whole weekend surprisingly unproductive just didn't do anything at all and again left eight guys on base in a series where you could have used the extra runs obviously because you couldn't hang on at the end of these games so a horrible weekend for him not a good time for one of your best offensive players to disappear
2: yeah, I mean, here's the thing: Xander was an absolute no-show for the first two games. Didn't do a thing. Like, did not get on base. Nothing. And when I compare everything to, uh, statistically, 2020 I don't count. Uh, I think yet yeah, last year was an absolute joke, so I can't really credit anyone or count any you know one in or out. But uh, when I look at his numbers in 2018 or 2019, major drop off. I mean, this is somebody who had almost 200 hits, had 50 doubles. This year he just barely got 30, just barely hit 150. He had 30 homers, 117 RBIs, and he looked like he could have done more damage. This year, 23 home runs, 79 RBIs. He's barely hitting 300. Uh, he's just—it's—it's—he's it, it, under by 20 walks. Everything is off, and—and and you can tell he's just not the same player that he was two years ago. Is he partly tired? Is he—is he done in Boston? I mean, it looks like it. it looks like he just doesn't care.
1: Xander was 12 for 31 coming into the series and was starting to swing a, a pretty good bat after the the COVID thing earlier in the month and was about where you wanted him to be coming into this series and just didn't get it done. Just didn't get it done and we lost this series on a multitude of reasons but you look at the offense. I mean, we we didn't sc- we scored exactly three runs in, in all three games, so that that's not going to get it done. And Garrett Cole, game one, okay, I'll I'll give the team a pass. You're you're facing one of the best pitchers in in baseball, so. Probably going to be a low-scoring win if you manage to do it. But after that, I mean, tonight we've seen Jordan Montgomery. We've seen him so many times this year, and we couldn't do a lot with him. And uh, Nestor Cortez, Saturday, has had a good second half, but not an overpowering guy and someone you should put up runs on. And when Xander goes out there and just kind of – just lays an egg for the whole series he had he had one hit which was tonight in the in the final game and uh four strikeouts not gonna get it done and you talk about team captains i mean it would be him wouldn't it it should be (laughs) it should be so i mean
0: theoretically it should be him but i mean he he doesn't have the demeanor for it and you know, Charlie said it. it's like he's having a down year. He, he's not consistent enough. So
2: I don't know how you can consider, him. and that's the problem. It's like he's not your team captain. Who the hell is? Right. I I just don't see him as the team captain after he did the whole. Oh man, I should be making more money. Like after that, I was checked out from him. I was yeah, done. That it was, was the a point of return.
1: That was a turning point when he talked mm-hmm. about his contract in that interview for sure. But ugly, ugly series for Bogarts. Charlie, who's your dud? For the series? Uh mine's actually a twofer. So those idiots that we sat next to
2: <laughs> um, you know, couldn't spend a couple hundred dollars without dealing with some morons. Uh Native aldi starting pitcher that night. I mean, it was just, you know, I was, I was jokingly saying, you know, if if the Red Sox win, my fantasy team is gonna do poorly because I'm facing Nate aldi But, you know, if, if my fantasy, you know, if the Red Sox do bad, I'm gonna do well. Like I'll win in fantasy because I didn't I didn't draft any Red Sox and the kid I was facing had a lot and Evaldi got shelled, and that's not fun because I'd rather the Red Sox win than my fantasy team win, um, and Evaldi had his worst performance of the season. It was worse than the Toronto start. Two and two-thirds, gave up seven runs, seven hits, two walks, didn't even strike out a guy. It was, it was awful. I was the pitcher for that three-run homer against Stanton, there's just not much to say. He just, the first three batters reached base, and everything just went downhill after that. It was just no coming back.
0: Yeah, uh, scary crap. Because the Red Sox, I think right now, it's pretty obvious they're lining up their rotation so that Ivaldi is starting that wildcard game. Um, So if he goes out and pitches like that, bye-bye, you're you're toast. Um, And I think we can all agree that, like, I think we want Ivaldi starting that game. I know a lot of people advocate for Chris Sale. I do not. Um, I think Ivaldi is still your best guy. He's been your best pitcher all year. And I still think that he's got the stones to pitch in a big game like that. And win it for you, but these were big games this weekend too, and he absolutely got rocked. So that's a really scary red flag. You know, again, you're, you're probably playing that wild card game in a little over a week, and this is the guy that you're going to send out there. He cannot get shelled like that. I mean, otherwise, you're going home.
2: Right. And, and I'm going to say this: like, uh, I'm even with this performance, I'm still not going to deviate from what I've said the past couple of weeks past couple of months that Nate Aldi should be starting that playoff game like i mean listening to to Joe and Andrew it's like spin the wheel this week we're not sure which one we want and one day it's 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 Voldi and the next day it's Chris Sale and there's no consistency like who's your guy you need to pick your guy and that's it and three of us i feel want Evaldi, and two of us are just roll the dice like there's no I don't know, like this isn't enough to scare me away because Evaldi has been lights out against the Yankees all season long. He hadn't allowed more than, I think, two runs all season. So, you know, Terry and I had been talking about, oh, what was the final score going to be of this game? I said 4-3. I think Terry said 5-1 or 4-1. And at the end of the first inning, we're down 3-0. I'm like, crap, here we go. This is this is not going to end well. But, I mean, Pavetta still has earned the right, and you have to save him to some degree. Like, there's no point to having him stay in that game if you want him to stay in for the for the, even the purpose of longevity, you need to have him healthy. And right now, if it means pulling him out of the third inning like they did two nights ago, you have to do that. It is what it is.
1: Um, Evaldi had given up two runs or less in at least his last five starts. I didn't go back beyond that, but he dominated the Yankees. Evaldi got shelled in the first inning. Because that was the, the the top the first part of the order, and then he got a one two three second, and then when the the top part of the order came around again in the third, just absolutely uh, got lit up and then taken out of the game. So it was a brutal start, and I'm not gonna lie. There's no familiarity with Chris Sale, so I, I don't know if maybe that's what should happen or if Evoldi just figures it out and you go into the game. I'm not going to hate it if Evoldi starts. Let me let me put it that way because I feel like he can show up for a big game, but I don't know what it is. Uh, this Yankee lineup just – they figure us out. They They figure us out and they – they make some of our better guys look bad. And we'll get into some of them right now. Um, Tanner Houck, four walks. Four walks. I mean, that was the guy we wanted to come into the game. And when he came in, threw eight straight balls to put the first two batters on. It was it was bad. And he, he escapes the inning by giving up one run. And then he gets two quick outs in the next inning and then walks a couple of guys. And it just, I don't, I don't know what his deal was, but uh, I I don't know if some of our pitchers are intimidated when when you got judge and Stanton coming up, but it it wasn't good. And, and then Darwin's in came in. I don't know if I can hate on that or not, but he comes in to face Rizzo with two outs with the expectation. He'll get the lefty out and then he punks him, puts him on base, and then in the first pitch, gives up a a dinger to, to stand not just a dinger, a grand slam, and no doubt grand slam. And uh, I had to sit through Sweet Caroline uh, immediately after, which you know, good timing there. But Sox pitching just kind of fell on its face, and then tonight in the uh, finale. Ottavino was not the guy to bring in. I don't care what Barnes has been looking like. Brazier's looked okay and and did pitch after Ottavino tonight, one and two thirds, didn't give up a run. This Yankees team knows Ottavino. They know his two pitches. They know how to handle him in the batter's box. Terrible decision by Cora to bring him in, and I, I knew it was over, but... Uh, And then finally, Richards tonight, only one and one third. Got through the first inning pretty good. And then in the the second inning, walked a couple of guys and uh, just recorded the one out before Ottavino did come in. So all the guys out of the bullpen that you would expect to be good choked epically.
0: Yeah, and it's part of the problem is that two of the guys that you trust the most out of that pen, Taylor and Whitlock are not available. So Whitlock's on the IL. Taylor's got a back thing going on. We don't know what the issue is there. That's why you saw Darwinson and Darwinson was his usual self. He's wild at times. He has a big arm, but doesn't always know where it's going. Sometimes it's going to hit a batter. Sometimes it's going to go right down the middle, like it did to Stanton. Um, And again, like, this is why I keep telling fans, like this is why you should be a little bit worried because – You look at what happened with that bullpen over this weekend, and you have to look at it through the lens of a one-game playoff, which is what you're headed for because you decide to piss away your division lead. So now you're looking at it through the lens of a one-game playoff. If your starter is, whether it's Sale or Evaldi or whoever, if they only go five or six innings, who are you bringing in to finish off that game? And, you know, assuming you don't have like an eight-run lead, if it's a close game and you've got to get three – you know, shut out innings out of your bullpen. Do you think you can get that right now? Cause I don't, I don't think any of these guys in a close game against a good team can shut down an opponent line, uh, an opposing lineup in the final stretch of a game. That's frightening.
2: Yeah. And the only other thing to add to that is even when breaks don't go your way, you still got to try to make the best of every opportunity. And granted, Aaron judge is one of the better players in the game and one of the best players on the Yankees. Uh, you got to try to rally. you got to do something. You can't give up a two-run or a base hit that knocks in anything. One, two runs. It doesn't matter. And then two seconds later, give up a two-run home run. You just completely lost that moment. That drop pitch was the moment where I was like, we lost. We literally lost the game. Because you have Judge and Stan coming up. And I was telling Terry on Friday night, John Stan's the last person I want with anyone on base. I, I really, like, I can't, I can't, I don't like to see it. And he absolutely owned the Red Sox this weekend. Owned them. This is just, if, if this is only like a prediction of like what's going to happen down the line, this team's not going to beat the Yankees. You can't. Not only do you not win the breaks, you can't pitch. Your leaders are getting smoked. Or they're not showing up. You, what? And the dumbest plays are happening. You're afraid to catch a ball in foul territory? You're a major leaguer. Like there were so many balls that weren't caught. It, it actually, I think there was five. There was the there was Bobby Dalbeck at first. Uh, there was DJ who missed one in foul territory. Then Gallo dropped one. It was just no one wanted to catch balls. It was dumb. There was so many. Just it was just stupid. This game was dumb.
1: Just to circle it back to Darwin's in real quick, I just want to point out that. I was beaming with optimism all off season long that this guy's the closer of the future. And by may or June, he's going to be the closer and he's going to keep it. And this is his year. Massive disappointment uh, this year. And if he could have just emerged as that guy going down the stretch, maybe as Barnes started to lose it, I'd feel so much better about this bullpen. But with Whitlock out, Taylor out. We don't have a bona fide seventh inning guy, a bona fide eighth inning guy. We're a closer right now. This bullpen is just terrible. And I was thinking, you know, when Darwin's in had that eighth inning on Saturday, when he hit Rizzo and then gave up the, the granny to Stanton, I'm like, this guy's just been a real disappointment. And He's a lefty, so he'll be back next year. Like his, his job isn't in question, but really disappointing. And we've seen him go on runs, short runs that last a week or two, but they never last.
2: Do you remember at the beginning of the year when we were talking about, oh man, we got such a nasty bullpen. Like we got Josh Taylor in there. He got, Ottavino in there, he got Matt Barnes closing it down. And Darwin's in, will figure it out. Once he comes back, we're going to be disgusting. Brazier will come back. We'll be sick. This is going to be stupid. We have one of the best bullpens in the game. How how quickly the mighty have fallen. You don't even know who the closer is. You don't know who sets up the closer. And you don't know who the first reliever out of the bullpen is. It's buckshot. You don't know who's coming out or where it's going. It's It's a catastrophe. And th- this is not a playoff team. Like, this is a nightmare, because if you have a lead, you can't trust any of these guys to keep it down. It's just, it's not good. I'm nervous.
0: Well, and and the funny thing, too, is if you ask anyone who's been the best reliever the last month or so, they'll tell you it's Garrett Whitlock. So you went into the season with what we thought was a great bullpen, and your best reliever was some guy you took in the Rule 5 who, you know, just for free. And don't get me wrong, I've loved Whitlock being here, and I'm so glad they snagged him, but that shouldn't be your best reliever in September. A, a Rule 5 guy? No. It should be Barnes or Ottavino or Taylor. It's none of these guys. It's, you know, it's the Rule 5 guy who's now on the I.L., so good luck.
1: Bloom has to target this offseason a bona fide closer. Like we have to sign whether it's I don't I don't have the free agent list in front of me, whether it's a guy like Blake Trinan or someone like him it, it can't be it can't be a retread that they they like his metrics and that they're just gonna sell us on he, he's capable of doing it. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see it. We need a closer and if you gotta spend money, do it he's never spent money on bullpen guys ever unless you want to count the Ottavino trade that we you know that was kind of a no-brainer we didn't have to give anybody up and it was only for one year so that's got to be something uh you know of a priority this offseason i would say i would agree but do i think it's going to happen no (laughs) Terry,
0: it's paying money for a closer? That's so antiquated and out of touch of you. Like, don't you understand that that no, it, it's not about paying for a closer. You just got to find the right guy who's got the right advanced analytics. He could be just a no-name off the street from freaking Dorchester, but if he's got the right advanced analytics, then that's your guy. You don't pay money for closers. Only stupid teams do that.
2: i got nothing i got nothing that was just oh god i mean there have been teams that have blown up and spent 15 to 20 million for a closer and it's worked out for the most part this was a team that opted not to do so and you can see what happens when you don't you can clearly see what happens when you don't want to spend the money when you want to hold on to the monies you're going to lose a lot more games and in much more stupid fashion like this year i mean there's a there's there's a correlation between spending money and having better players. There's a correlation between not spending as much money and having worse players. And in this situation, we have sticky stuff and lack of consistency. And you put that together, you have the 2021 Boston Red Sox. It's been eventful. It's been painful.
1: I got nothing to add to that. Uh, Other dishonorable mentions. I kind of went through all of the pitching for the most part. Um, So in in the lineup, kind of doing it backwards. Christian Vasquez, even though he had an RBI tonight, uh, 0 for 6. And uh, that's about it. Schwarber wasn't super impressive either. He had that drop in game one. Sky high pop up in the infield and he let it drop another recent error at first base so uh, not great there so no one to really kill in the lineup well Dahlbeck actually he his only hit was a home run in game two in the ninth inning off Chapman tried to spark a rally but was one for nine overall four strikeouts in the series finale so pretty painful any thoughts on them before we get to studs? No, I just I mean, you
0: know, why would you want a first baseman who can catch a pop up? That's you know <laughs> we don't need that. No, no, that's fine. Um yeah, that pretty pretty pathetic display by those guys this weekend.
1: All right, let's uh, switch sides here. Even though it was a sweep, there were some some decent performances to talk about, and they they could prove to be relevant if we want to fantasize about winning a wild card game. But uh, so go ahead, Jason, your stud for the series.
0: Yeah, my stud is Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, not a stud that I expected to have because. I've said it before, I still don't really trust him when he's on the mound. I don't think he's had a very good season. Um, He's certainly someone that if the Red Sox do somehow, by the grace of God, get into an actual playoff series, I'm not sure I would want him to even get a start. I would rather they go with a three-man rotation. I might even trust Pavetta over him at this point. But Rodriguez showed you something today. I mean, eight strikeouts, he only went five, but it was also just like, the attitude he had, you know, like he, he looked confident out there. He looked like big game Eddie again, which we haven't seen in a while. And there was, you know, there was a one little moment I loved was when he struck out LeMahieu and LeMahieu was kind of bitching at the umpire about it. And Rodriguez just sort of looked back at him and just was like laughing at him. He just had like a smirk and he was kind of laughing at him like, oh, shut up, you idiot. I just struck your ass out. Go sit down. Like that's the Eduardo Rodriguez that I want. So if he's kind of feeling himself again, and like I said, if they somehow managed to get into a playoff series, it's going to be tough between, you know, obviously you want Evaldi and sale pitching in terms of that game three between him and Pavetta. I'm not sure. Like it might, might be matchup based, you know, if there's, they're going up against a lineup with a lot of lefties, maybe you go Eduardo Rodriguez there. I mean, maybe he's trying to prove that, Hey, if we do make it there, I want starts. Um, Today was was great. It, it was one of the best games I thought I'd I've seen him pitch in a long time.
2: I have to say that I did not go in with any positive expectations. I'm not going to lie because I've been pretty down on a couple of guys this year. Um, I think part of the reason was because I just wasn't sure how it was going to pan out post um, myocarditis. And um, I have to say that I've been wrong a bit about Erod. There have been games where he has not done well, but for what it was, I think he got mugged. In today's game, he pitched a great game. He struck out 8. I think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough when you strike out a lineup that has this kind of uh these kind of bats in there and and honestly, he had one blip inning. Just one blip where just everything kind of fell apart really quickly. Bases loaded, no outs. He got out of the jam. One runner came around and uh got the double play ball unfortunately next batter drove one in um, and that kind of sucked but we rallied back we tied it up we took the lead again we did what we needed to do try to say hey thank you you did your job and then we blew it for him so um, I'm happy that he was able to put this kind of quality performance against a formidable opponent and not getting rocked against a bunch of just whatever players this is a, a game that you needed him to have and I'm I'm feeling much better about it going forward and with only a couple games left this is the type of performance you need from him period because if he ends up pitching in the two or three game you need this you need five innings two runs allowed eight strikeouts you need this performance from erod
1: erod's made five starts this season against the yankees one of them was only for one inning because he left due to a migraine that night and then um Phillips Valdez had that epic performance which was also against Garrett Cole but in the in the four kind of regular starts he had outside of that three earned runs or less in all of them and he's had good career numbers against the Yankees and so I wasn't uh, I wasn't shocked that he continued that trend tonight uh, only five innings knowing that the bullpen was you know pretty bare uh, I might have flirted with bringing him out for a sixth, but clearly Cora didn't want, you know, the part that part of the order to see him for a third time. So, so it ended up being a five-inning uh, outing. Here's an outside-the-box idea: if we're facing the Yankees in the wild-card game. And we still don't have Whitlock back. I'm going there. Charlie's shaking his head. No, I am going there. You still don't have Whitlock back. Who knows with Taylor? I think that's the second back issue he's had this year. Why not have Erod pitch at least three innings in that game, whether it's it's the, to start it or coming in after Evoldi or Sale? It's do or die, and it's not ideal when you're looking at games two and three. Somebody's going to throw on short rest in the ALDS against the Rays, but Jason's kind of on to something. Nick Pavetta pitches the Rays very well. Now, some of that might have been pretty sticky stuff, but maybe he is the guy you throw out in game three. So then Erod gets a little rest. There's some built-in off days that series. So the ALDS goes... Two games in Tampa, two games with an off day. So two games in Tampa with an off day. Then it would be two games in Boston with an off day. If you get to game five, then that would go back to Tampa. So two off days built in there. So you can get creative. And I don't know if I want to give that. Who's your long guy in the bullpen? Do you go to Garrett Richards? Or do you want Eduardo Rodriguez in there for a few innings? Or maybe Tanner Houck has a better outing than the other night, but uh, and maybe you can just feel it out with him, just inning by inning. If he gets off to a good start in the first inning, talking about Tanner Houck. But I, if it's going to be the Red Sox versus the Yankees, I would consider probably throwing Erod for a few innings in that game if you can afford to. If we're playing for our life against the Nationals, maybe you don't have that luxury. So it's it's an insanity time of the season to be in this position that we're in now which we've never been in. We've never been a wild card team in the in the two wild card team era that started in 2012. But just throwing it out there.
0: I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all cuz again, like you brought up, who would you rather have? Garrett Richards doing that or Eduardo Rodriguez? And again, like you said it, it's do or die at that point. You're you're in a one game playoff, so <clears throat> you sort of do what you have to do to win that game, and then you figure out the rest later. Um, I would certainly trust Rodriguez over Richards. I feel like they would still probably go with Hauk. That would you know if they needed a long man, that would be their first option. But if you're going up against the Yankees, and you know, let's say Evaldi starts that game, and they load up their lineup with a bunch of left-handed hitters, and you know, the matchup suits him well. I don't
1: hate that idea. I don't hate it at all. Big game, Eddie.
2: Okay, fine. (laughs) I guess I'm going to have to talk about this. Uh, I don't like the idea of Erod coming in for three innings in relief. I don't like the idea of him coming in three innings to close it down. If you're going to have Erod in that game, you have to have him start. Uh, I know what Evaldi can do as a reliever we all witnessed world series magic at a native Aldi um i also feel like if you have him start as opposed to relieve it's a lot sooner that he starts to recover or take that little um the the healing period um i, I also don't know if i'd want to have him pitch more than two innings just to be diplomatic with what we what we're dealing with like depending on what we have two plus avaldi two plus and pray that you have five plus out of both of them um, and then you have just three innings you have to worry about with the rest of the bullpen, or potentially Hauk for two innings. If you can get seven innings combined out of those three, I would be really happy. But I don't know if I want to do three, three, and three. I, it just ugh, it, it gets me a little bit nervous. I, I just I get it to do or die, but. It's a hard sell for me. It's a hard sell and I think I'm gonna pass on it. I just don't think I don't think it's the most diplomatic response to have them go out and pitch three innings each. I, I just I don't know. That's just me though. That's me.
1: You make a good point, Charlie. If if Erod's gonna pitch in that game, it probably could be as a starter, just to not mess with his comfort zone. So yeah. So then bring in Ivaldi to pitch as many innings as possible. You're just gonna ride it out, I guess. And then you you got Hauk, Richards, Barnes looked okay, so maybe he's a guy you trot out for one inning, but um, and Brazier as well. But yeah tough scenarios let me let me ask you this before we move on to charlie stud a few days ago we all wanted new york in the wild card game we wanted new york do we still want new york over toronto (laughs) Uh, it's tough it's you're picking your give me
2: seattle or oakland please anything (laughs) but those two teams i mean if we're being realistic here i don't think the red Sox have a shot against either one this is disgusting, what you're seeing. You're seeing an offensive juggernaut in the entire, like, Toronto 1-7 through seven is disgusting. Did mean, you have a second baseman that's got 40-plus homers, still doesn't have 100 RBIs. Dude, what? I mean, George Springer wasn't here for, it felt like, half the season. All of their rookies are are mashers. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. plays there. It's just... I want no part of that. I want no part of that team. And now the Yankees, you have a guy who, when he hits, it's a home run. He had 10 RBIs in three games against the Sox. Grand slam, three-run homer. Stan, Another couple are yeah. It's just it's too much. It's just too much. And I, I don't – it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling when you see Stanton come up to the dish. Aaron Judge, he just flies him out to deep center. Like, every single shot, is deep center. But Judge, when he hits the ball, if he makes contact – not a fun experience. And if you're a fan on the other side, not fun.
0: yeah, i I think I'd still want the Yankees. Um, <clears throat> I think they showed you even today that like they're not all together there. like they they, they tried to give the game back a little bit, you know, with Gallo uh, doing his thing out there in left field. So um I think they still have vulnerabilities there. Toronto, I don't know. like that lineup is scary as hell. And that lineup can make for a very quick exit. Uh, for anyone that we throw out there to start, whether it's Evaldi or Sale or whoever. So I think I'd still rather have the Yankees. I think also just, you know, I just think the Red Sox, there's a familiarity there, like seeing them, you know, just this recently, they'll be a little better prepared, but it's, it's not a great feeling either way. Like whether it's Toronto or New York, it's like, I'm not feeling great. So I guess give me the Yankees, but... I'm still not feeling too good about it
1: I don't know which way to go to be honest um, it'd be insane if Aaron Boone outmanages Alex Cora again <laughs> to to go into the AlDS against Tampa neither one of these teams look like they're built for a uh, deep run regardless. So, Charlie, go ahead. You're stud for the series. Well, another one of the players that
2: I just didn't have much faith in, and that was Pavetta, who gave us five-plus. The only player who you could argue maybe had a better performance was was Erod, And Pavetta struck out seven, allowed one run on three hits in five and a third innings. 60 strikes out of 90 for... For uh, for strikes, as we just said, sixty-seven percent of those working. Um, this was another player that I really didn't have uh, any faith in, and he's he's starting to, to kind of figure it out after you know back to back to back games where he'd allowed four, I think four runs minimum, um, including the last time when he faced New York where he got shelled. Um, he's put three quality performances together—not quality starts, but quality performances. And two of those three were against good, good opponents, Chicago and the Yankees. Um, the th- other one, it was either Baltimore, or Toronto. I can't remember. I have to look back. But uh, that's two out of three where he's done really, really well. I know Chicago is one of them because he got robbed in that decision too. Um, they just couldn't win it for him. He just got the ND. So he's, he's been doing much better. Uh, you're starting to see the ERA slowly trickle back down and, um, but i'm not feeling nervous if pavetta's your 4 or 5 guy i still don't know if i want him as a part of one of those guys that you know comes in and pitches two innings i just i don't know if i trust him as a reliever i actually don't have his numbers in front of me as far as uh being a reliever goes i don't know if he's been a reliever all that much um so good on him for for doing what he did but um we need this level of consistency from him just like we need it from erod you need to be able to do really well against the bad teams and the good teams, especially the good teams, and especially the teams that are fighting against us for wild card um, for wild card spot.
0: Yeah, it felt like Pavetta and Erod were uh, putting on postseason auditions. You know, almost like I was saying earlier. Like if they do get into a you know uh, a division series or anything beyond that, because um, I think they know that that third start is kind of up in the air between the two of them. And I don't think Cora even really knows who he'd go with right now. And Pavetta was awesome. He he looked great. My only concern was 90 pitches through five and a third. Um, And so once again, he has to leave the game early. And once again, you have to turn the game over to your bullpen. So neither Erod or Pavetta are threats to go deep in the game, which we knew that to start with. But it's especially dire now because – your bullpen is falling apart at the seams. So I I love what I saw out of Pavetta. Again, he had that sort of attitude about him the same way that Rodriguez did. They both looked like they wanted it. They wanted to win. And then, you know, their, their team let them down in the end. So, um, but it was, it was nice. It it was nice to see Pavetta really go out there and write the ship because he has had a couple of bad outings here. Um, And like I said, it it was a postseason audition, not, you know, We'll see if those gutless bums can even get there. But if they do, then Pavetta made a strong case for hey, I I should be your game three starter because I can go out there and give you, you know, five, maybe six, if he's lucky, six quality innings uh, and shut down an opponent like that. So that was awesome to see. Pavetta was my
1: automatic loss for the series and I didn't think we were going to get swept. I thought, okay, you know, we're, we should be competitive this series and, and win at least one game. And I thought we had a chance to, to win two out of three. The Yankees hadn't looked great until the series before, which was against Texas. They were really floundering. And then I think swept Texas to come into the series with a little bit of momentum. but but again, The Pavetta game, I thought, was an automatic loss despite the two good performances against the White Sox and the Orioles. I mean, one of those was an automatic win, basically, being that the Orioles. But you go back to Pavetta's last start against the Yankees, only lasted one and two-thirds. That was in the Bronx. He just got completely lit up. We got swept that series as well. And it wasn't a good outing, and I just thought there wasn't much to suggest he was going to look good in this start. Not only did he get seven strikeouts, he didn't walk anybody in this series. So it was absolutely a clutch performance. In hindsight, I mean, without the benefit of hindsight, I didn't mind that it was five and one-third because I figured Houck was going to come in and pitch at least a couple of innings, and I thought Houck would be fine. He's made starts against the Yankees and and didn't look bad, so I thought the bullpen was set up almost perfectly. The offense could have put up more than two runs and taken a little bit of pressure off that way, but... Um, I thought that was a great performance for Pavetta, and I don't mind him getting a start against Tampa. I, this is like fantasy land, but if you get past Tampa and then you play Houston, I probably don't want Pavetta getting a start against Houston. But based on past results and matchups, I wouldn't mind if he got one start in there in the in the ALDS. So. That would be under my crazy scenario with Erod and Avoldi splitting the wild card. That would put Pavetta game two, <laughs> but uh, I never get my way with stuff like that. So um, I'm sure the plan will be will be totally different. But but I was pleasantly surprised with what Pavetta did on on Saturday. And I'm I paid 200 bucks for two tickets basically. So I'm like, great. I just That's what I did for a Nick Pavetta start going into it. And I'm thinking, geez, but yeah. All right. So let's just, uh, see if there's any other honorable mentions. Kike Hernandez actually had a very good series four for 12 in the batter's box. Also drew three walks. So that was, that was good to see. And especially against Garrett Cole had two hits and two walks in that game. So Nice to see Kike doing good things out of the leadoff spot. Devers had a good series, hit a three-run bomb off of Garrett Cole in the sixth or seventh inning of that game, was four for 11. Had hits in every game. Uh, Hunter Renfro, three for 11. Jose Iglesias had a hit in all three games, continues to look pretty well. Only two strikeouts in the series. Tragedy, he won't be eligible beyond the final game against Washington. And uh, I guess I'll put Ploiecki in there. It was two for two, came out of the game after getting hit by Chapman, but um, put the Red Sox on the board with a solo shot. So any thoughts on any of them?
0: Yeah, it's um, good to see out of Kike, because, again, this is a guy that has postseason experience. I think that's one of his – best qualities you know coming over to this team is that he's been in the playoffs you know almost his entire career with the dodgers you know he's always sniffing it at least so he knows that he has to perform in in these these big moments these big games down the stretch um i have a lot of confidence in him i, I think that he's a guy that isn't going to disappear on you in this final week he's going to show up he's going to do what he needs to do um and as far as glacius i you know you can't take him out of the lineup i get it because he's just He's just hot right now, and he's he's really helping you defensively and, and with the bat. But don't you feel like Arroyo should be getting some more at-bats here? Because if you do plan on going into the playoffs, then that's your second baseman. Iglesias has to go home. So I, I don't love the idea of going into the playoffs with a second baseman who hasn't played in a week. Like, I feel like they, they need to get him some more at-bats. So it's it's a tough situation there for Cora because it, it's hard to justify taking Iglesias out of the lineup um, but I don't know I, I feel like that's that's something they need to start
2: doing Iglesias for the most part though he's just he's getting singles, he's not stealing any bases he's scored a couple of runs but I mean for the most part he's, they're able to shut him down but I mean also part of the reason for that is because of where he hits in the lineup Kike um, Hernandez has been an absolute stud I mean, this month he's been not hitting for power, not hitting for average, and hasn't done as much. But when he scores, he scores in bunches. Excuse me. Um, and against uh, Baltimore and the Mets, I feel like he was always scoring. Like, he just was always getting on base and always doing his best. And of the signings that we made this year, I still think that Kike um, Hernandez is probably our second-best one because everyone knows who our top signing was this offseason, and it's not even close. Um but I think Kike was number – I think Kike was number two. Um, I, I don't count Garrett Whitlock because that was a Rule 5 draft pick uh, that we were able to get that way. As far as like free agent signs that played for um, different teams that were already known names, Kike was the second best one this year. And he's been doing really, really well. And he's had moments where he's struggled and he's had moments where like the first inning is his inning and everything else is kind of whatever. But he's made some major strides and changes from going – and starting games in at-bats with 0-2, 1-2, and flailing and just trying to do something with taking a couple more pitches and trying to get a really good at-bat.
1: Well, all right, let's get into the Red Sox-Baltimore series. Looks pretty good. We're pretty well set up for hopefully our third sweep of them in a row. Chris Sale gets the Tuesday start i thought thursday was the off day but apparently not so tuesday 7 05 gets a start against bruce zimmerman who we've seen at various points this year uh, zimmerman hasn't looked too bad though uh, let's see oh he hasn't started in quite some time though my bad those are old starts so he hasn't made a start since uh june <laughs> but I do remember we did get to him um, pretty hard in uh, an earlier series. So he's up against Chris Sale. Are we worried about that game?
0: <laughs> uh, we shouldn't be worried about that game. We shouldn't be worried about any of these games. So this should be a win. But, yeah, you know, we'll see.
2: I'm not going to go against Chris Sale. If Chris Sale is pitching, we're going to win that game. Uh, I have to stay, you know, true to myself here. I don't think that Zimmerman is that much of a threat. He's a five-inning guy. He strikes out a couple a game. He's not consistent. Um, the only thing that he's, I think, I mean, I, I don't know him that well, um, but Bruce Zimmerman doesn't scare me away. If Chris Sale's on the mound, that should scare you. That should terrify you. Um, and he already had a really, really good game against Baltimore this year. He's had a couple. Um, and the, the last game he had against Baltimore, one of the hits was a solo home run. The other was a one-off. I mean, he did his job. That was the uh, the one-strikeout game, Terry, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That was... Right? Wasn't that it? Wasn't that the one-strikeout game? I believe it was because that was yeah. two starts ago.
2: Yeah, I'm not shaking in my boots. It's Chris Sale, <laughs> baby.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Second start in there, Zach Lowther against Nathan Avoldi. Lowther has a 7.66 ERA on the season. Hasn't looked uh, too bad in his last couple of starts. Uh, five innings pitched against Texas on the 23rd of September. And actually. Two starts ago against Boston, yeah, he didn't look that great. Only lasted three in the third, gave up three runs, and then got absolutely torched uh, the start before that against Toronto where he got lit up for seven earned runs in two innings. So I don't think we're too worried about game two either. Should be a win. Should be 2-0. Should be a win. Louther also got
2: torched in May against the Red Sox.
1: Oh, did he? Okay. Oh
2: yeah, he's he's got the Avaldi track. He's got a a blown game, seven runs against two opponents. He's got he got rocked by Toronto and Boston, two and zero so far.
1: Next, yeah. So next is Alexander Wells tentatively against Nick Pavetta. I am showing a TBD, but ESPN lines it up uh, with Pavetta starting. Also a seven six one ERA. Uh, Gave up three runs one start ago against Texas. Red Sox put up five earned runs on him in five innings two starts ago in the the most recent series against them. And then the Yankees put up five runs on him in four innings. So should be a sweep.
0: Yeah, should be a sweep. What could possibly go wrong?
1: (laughs) Should be a sweep. But
2: I will say... I think we're only going to end up getting two out of three. I think this is going to be the outlier where Baltimore ends up sneaking one by and they end up doing some, some squirrely business in the late innings. And as Jason quoted, I think, last show, they kind of pee down their leg. Uh, they make a mistake and do something stupid and we end up, you know, I don't know, having a first baseman that's afraid of the wall and is afraid to make a catch. And we end up losing because of some, some tomfoolery. Uh, I'll say we win two out of three. Jason? I say they lose two out of three. Um, I just again,
0: and I'm and I'm being dead serious here because the Chris Sale start. Okay, how long is he going to go? Five innings. Okay, so then five innings, you got to turn over to your bullpen again, and you know if the Red Sox offense doesn't put up nine runs, then that game's at risk. Ivaldi um, should be a win. I I think Ivaldi will bounce back. I'm not worried about that one. Pavetta, I don't know. He's kind of a flip of the coin. Sometimes he looks great, like this weekend. Other times, first three pitches, he's given up three runs. So uh, we'll see on that one. Again, I just I, I don't trust the bullpen. I don't trust the offense right now. Um, so I think they lose two out of three.
1: Wow. I'm going to go with a sweep. <laughs> the Red Sox sweep the Orioles. But I will qualify that by saying nothing would shock me (laughs) so uh
2: it's been this season though terry i mean that's been your 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 mantra this season like nothing has been more tumultuous than this season for the red sox and for you and for jason and myself and the rest of the guys but uh this has been one of the wishy-washy years where i feel like a lot of us have been yeah they'll win Eh, they'll lose Eh, maybe they'll win. Eh, i don't know like it's just been so weird like one week we're this could be a playoff team, and the next week we're not making the playoffs. And then they win seven straight. It's like, no, oh, we're going to the playoffs. Then we get swept by New York. Nah, I don't know anymore. It's it's so it's so frustrating. This
1: team. It's been it's been very uh, tumultuous. You know, if if the Red Sox had the first half like they had the second half, and then the second half was the first half when we just went on an absolute tear then it'd be so much better. You'd have momentum. You'd have confidence. We led the majors like two and a half, three months in the season with wins. We were leading the major leagues with most wins. It was brief, but we had that distinction, um, I, I think, at some point in the month of June. So here we are, third place in the American League East. Most likely make the playoffs, but not not necessarily. <laughs> So we'll see how Baltimore goes. I'm a little bit more nervous about Washington uh, later in the week, but we'll uh, we'll see how that goes, and we'll wrap on that next 24 hours after this one. Totally legit or calling the cops. And then we'll be back on Thursday to discuss what did happen against the Baltimore Orioles. Everyone have a good start to your work week. Take care.